Shalom and hello again. In the future, nations rise up against Israel. So the Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, calls them out by name. Stay tuned for Our Jewish Roots with Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seid. The Lord said unto Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So glad you've joined us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif. We are in our series all about Ezekiel, and we've titled the series The Peace Process, Little Pieces of a Puzzle Coming Together to Make a Big Picture. And today, we're talking about Israel's neighbors. And I have to say, a good neighbor is not easy to find, uh-huh. is it? That's we, true. We just put floors in, into our condo, and our next door neighbor was not happy with us. So came over and told us so. So sometimes <laughs> you're not always surrounded by the easiest neighbors. No, and the political situation comes and goes, sometimes harder than others. Uh, but to be sure, uh, the literature is clear that when Israel is reestablished uh, miraculously as a nation state, it riles up those roundabout. And that happened, that was predicted yesterday, and we do see it today. So this started, you, you started this program 10 years ago. Have things yeah. kind of changed, or would you think it's still the same? Well, the, the political situation changes a little bit here and a little there, but the dynamic is always the same. That's why you open up the Bible, it's timeless. Yeah. That, that uh, what we see uh, played out and predicted back then, we see it now. The, you know, the, the leader of the party isn't Yasser Arafat, it's this person. Parties come and go by name and principles come and go, but the overarching issue, Israel's presence invokes ire. Uh, but nevertheless, it's part of God's plan. It's a major piece to the prophetic puzzle. Yep. It is, and can I just jump in and say, sure. I think you look better today than you did even back then. <laughs> look at that, you look good then, but you look really good now. <laughs> you're, you're kind to say it, thanks. I am 67 now. Looking so. good. Yep. Thank you. Right now we take you back to Ezekiel's story with Dr. Seif's teaching. Let's go there now. In 586 BC, the Lord spoke unto Ezekiel, set thy face against Pharaoh and prophesy against all Egypt. Say, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee. All the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. And the land of Egypt shall be desolate and waste in the midst of the countries that are desolate. Neither shall it be inhabited 40 years. We didn't create this picture you're seeing. We just walked into it and what a sight it is. 
The prophet Ezekiel says like this town here, that nation states that border Israel are going to be devastated. And why is that? Because there is a judgment brought to bear for their sins against God, for their sins against Israel. And the Lord is not a happy camper. Eight chapters are invested in telling that story. And Ezekiel's not the only one who does it. Isaiah has eight chapters. Jeremiah has six. There's 22 chapters that describe what will come of the nations round about Israel in the day when God brings his judgment to bear. If you think of the New Testament, there's four gospels. That's, there's more text talking about the judgment of the nations round about Israel than two of the gospels. And it's equivalent to the book of Revelation. There's a lot, and I want to examine it with you as we consider the story. If you'll open your Bibles, please, to Ezekiel chapter 25. Picking up in verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Ben Adam, son of man, Shim Ponecha el Bnei Amon, set your face toward the children of Ammon. Now he's going to begin with the Ammonites just to the east. He's going to then go from there to the Moabites going uh, east of the Jordan, beginning with the Ammonites, the Moabites, to the Edomites. Then he's going to go around to the west, to Philistia, where, where the modern Gaza area is, interestingly. He's going to loop around Israel and go north further into what would be modern Lebanon in prophesying against Tyre and Sidon. In conjunction with that, then, there'll be a lot of text invested against Egypt. What a story. Here we're just beginning when he says, Son of man, set your face toward the children of Ammon. And prophesy against them. And what's the word in verse 3? Alas, because you said, Aha, against my sanctuary. Because you were hell-bent on the people and the religion, so it is God's not a happy camper. He's going to bring his force to bear. There will be a reckoning. In verse 7, he says, Behold, I stretch out my hand upon thee and will deliver thee for a spoil to the nations and cut thee off from the peoples. They molested God's people, and the net result is they'll be judged accordingly, and not just them. We move on to verses 8 and on. We leave the, uh, uh, Ammon. We go to Moab particularly. And he says, I will open the flank of Moab. They'll be opened up and destroyed in verse 9. In verse 11, he says, I will execute my judgments against Moab. In verse 12, then Edom hath dealt against the house of Judah. And so it is, he says in 13, I'll stretch out my hand against Edom. I will lay vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel. There is a day of reckoning. What happens is when Israel was reconstituted as a nation state, the nations roundabout tried to prevent it. And then unable to prevent it, then they mobilized energies to try and destroy it. There was a succession of wars, but to no avail, God gave Israel victory. Absent being able to then take to the field with conventional armies, we have all of this, you know, the war in the press and terrorism and people investing their angst against unarmed civilians. God is not a happy camper. And what happens is all this comes to an end. 
Speaking of coming to an end, before I bring this segment to an end, you'll find in verse 15, interestingly, where he says, because the Philistines have been given to revenge with disdain of soul to destroy because of an old hatred, he says, and lo and behold, that they will uh, meet judgment as a result of their so doing. Now, those that occupy Philistia uh, today, what would be Gaza, uh, these aren't the actual Philistines of a bygone era. It's interesting, however, how the prophet sees trouble all around Israel. And this, strange as it might sound, is all part of Ezekiel's Middle East peace process as he looks at it one piece of judgment at a time. And the Lord spoke unto Ezekiel regarding the forthcoming judgment upon Jerusalem. Utter a parable unto the rebellious house. Gather the good pieces of meat and fill the pot with the choice bones and make it boil well. Rarely do my eyes alight upon such nothingness, such barrenness. You wouldn't believe me, but the Bible says that one day this part of the world will become like Eden. It'll be lush, verdant, a place of life. Well, that belongs to days forward, not the present. And so much for the good news in this story. There's different word pictures that Ezekiel paints. In the 24th chapter, he sees a cauldron, and he sees pieces being put into the cauldron. And what does he mean by that? He sees God's wrath cooking, and he sees people as being part of the stew. A person here, a person there thrown into that as his cup overflows, his cup of wrath evidenced by that. In this segment, we're looking at God's judgment that's brought to bear on the nations round about Israel. His judgment was brought to bear because they didn't care. They didn't care to share. They were greedy. They were avaricious. And what happens is God had a day in court. We've looked briefly at Ammon. We've considered as well Moab, Edom, and briefly made mention of Philistia, where the Gaza Strip is today. Well, our prophet continues to go around Israel, and he considers Tyre. In chapter 26, 27, and 8, there is a fascinating story. A considerable amount of text is dedicated to telling the story of judgment that would befall that part of the world and uh, where we have Lebanon today. It's a fascinating story, not just because judgment is brought to bear, but that in the process of discussing the judgment the Lord alights upon a figure of the devil, for my money underscoring the demonic that seems to inform and inflame uh, the world around this part of the world. Well, so much for talking about the text. Here I want you to hear it. If you'd open up to chapter 28, verse 1 in Ezekiel, as we consider Ezekiel and the Mideast peace process, Judgment brought to bear here is one of the pieces to the puzzle. And the word of the Lord came saying, Son of man, speaking to the uh, prince of Tyre, he says, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am God, 
and I sit in the temple of God. You might recall uh, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, saying as much of the anti-Messiah, that he proclaims that he's God and he takes his seat in the temple of God. Well, according to Ezekiel, never mind this person taking his, uh, his seat in a remanufactured house of God, this personality goes back to Eden, where it all went awry. And this is where we get the story of the devil, once uh, a covering angel who's cast out of paradise. That's not just you know, you know, fanciful preaching, it's in the text. Well, he goes on in verse 12 to uh, describe this personality, this king of Tyre who thinks he's perfect. In verse 13, Ezekiel says that he was in Eden, the very garden of God. This made man, this personality that had everything. This person who was beautiful, but then he was corrupted because of his beauty, because of his splendor. And we're told in verse 16 that he sinned. And in verse 17, the word is, I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. There amidst these glistening jewels, this personality comes to an inglorious end. Now this is part of God's weighing in against the nations round about Israel. But it's not just that. For here in the text, evil is described, personified as demonic. The evil that goes back to the very beginning of time, it seems, is going to remanifest at the edge of time. And this is part of the Bible story, and it's part of Ezekiel and the Mideast peace process. Our offer on this program, two Pray for the Peace of Jerusalem bumper stickers. In Psalm 122, verse 6, David implores us to pray in such a manner that they shall prosper that love thee. Now more than ever, we need to pray that there would be peace within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. This bumper sticker is a sure way to declare your support for Israel and Jewish people. When you call toll-free, simply ask for the Pray Bumper Stickers. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find faith foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. I have to admit this, I'm a woman that likes a deal. <laughs> so if I can get two for one, or three for one, or some samples thrown in, I'll take it. And that is what we love to give our viewers on our social media sites. We throw in extras, we throw in free bonus shows and programs and articles. So find us at Our Jewish Roots if you like a two for one, three for one, and some bonus items. <laughs> <laughs> you hear us say this weekly, and we mean it from the bottom of our hearts. 
We thank you for allowing us to do what we do every week, sending us to Israel, Dr. Seif to Israel. We could not do any of this without your financial support. So thank you so, so much. Right now, we go back to Israel for more of Ezekiel's story. The Lord spoke unto Ezekiel and told him to mark two roads for the approaching king of Babylon. One of the road signs would point to Ammon, the other to Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar would in fact choose to march against Jerusalem, and God would condone it as judgment against Jerusalem's transgressions. In time, however, God's wrath would also be turned towards Ammon. In another life as a police officer, I had ample opportunity to stand in an intersection and decide who goes and decide who comes. And I tell people, hurry up and make that turn. Well, in chapter 21 of Ezekiel, the prophet sees himself, or he sees an intersection where someone has to decide wherever, where they're going to go. But in that case, wherever they go, what's on the menu is to go and to rape, to kill and to plunder. And why is that? Because the engines of war are turned on. God's judgment is brought to bear against Israel because of Israel's sins. God's judgment is brought to bear against the nations round about Israel. God is showing himself tough. What's interesting about Ezekiel isn't just that God shows himself tough, but the restoration motif. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little here. I want you to look in chapter 29 of Ezekiel with me. We're looking in verse uh, 2, but going up to it, Daber Radenoi. Eli Lamor, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Ben Adam, son of man, Sim ponecha al paro melech mitzrayim, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The hinarve alav, and prophesy against him, the al mitzrayim kula, and against all Egypt, and say, Thus saith the Lord. And what does he say? He says what we don't want to hear. He says, quote, in verse 3, Behold, I am against thee, Paro Melech Mitzrayim. I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he says in verse 4, I'm going to put a hook in your mouth and bring you up. What does he mean by that? He compares him in verse 3 to a great dragon here in the Jewish translation, better a crocodile. There's a croc in the Nile, and what happens, Lord says, I'm going to come and grab you, put a hook in you, and bring you up, take you to the banks, and throw you upon the dry ground. This is imagery here of Egypt taking a hit. What's interesting, in Ezekiel, all the nations round about Israel take a hit. They invoke God's ire, and they're judged because of it. Why? Because they're hell-bent on molesting Israel. And there is a day of reckoning. There is a day in court. God says he's going to show himself strong on behalf of his people at day's end. To quote then in verse 6, why does he do it? That all the inhabitants of Egypt might know that I am the Lord. I find it fascinating personally, some 90 times in Ezekiel, God who's showing himself tough does so in order that the world might know him. 
while God shows himself tough, the miracle isn't as much in the toughness as much as it is in the way that God shows himself gracious in the wake of the great conflagration. When one looks at Ezekiel and the Mideast peace process, we see that for Ezekiel, the pieces of the puzzle, when they line up, he sees war. It has applications in antiquity. It has applications in modernity as well. It seems that tensions in this part of the world revolving around Israel play themselves out door la door from generation to generation. And not just in the Ezekiel text in a bygone era. If one looks at the Johannine revelation, the uh, written by John, John the Revelator envisions that at day's end, there's a climactic war and it culminates with a comparable image. He sees here the devil is a serpent, a scaled creature, and the Lord takes it by the throat and drags it and throws it in the pit. Finished. And then there's a cessation of hostilities. There's the season then when nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Well, when we look at Ezekiel and the Middle East peace process, the steps toward the lasting peace entail disequilibrium as the engines of war turned up. So much for the bad news. As we follow this series, we'll consider the good news as God rejuvenates a world that's devastated by social unrest, political intrigue, and war. want to give a shout out today to somebody at this table right now. Dr. Seif, thank you for your insight. So we grew up in the church, Sunday school. We thought we knew all about Ezekiel from singing that song, but so much more that we've learned right here with you. Thank you. Well, you're kind. And uh, I learned too to prepare for it. And I learn when I go through it. So we're all just students at the end of the day. Can I say something? Am I allowed to? Look at my fingers are, are tapping. We talked today about God's judgment on the neighboring countries, but didn't God use those countries to teach Israel a, a lesson, should I say? God's wrath was used through those countries, and now they get in trouble for doing what they were supposed I mean, to it, do? It, it's, it's a great question. God can use uh, everything and anything. All things work for the good. And, um, you know, nothing escapes God's attention. So, yes, they do wrong and they're punished. But even with bad motives, God can use 
people to accomplish his good purposes. That's why we survive at the end of the day. That's how we get through. Uh, there are individuals that are not kindly disposed toward us. They'll face their reckoning for what they've done, uh, but God has a way of still guiding us into the future with all the ups and downs that go along with it. Sounds like the word might be restoration, hope for all of us. I think that's an extremely important theme in Ezekiel, and that certainly manifests as we go through the book. I mean, it's one thing to restore a life, and that can be very challenging, and God is in the business of doing it. Uh, to restore a nation, a collective of lives and clans, is, is much more challenging, but the good Lord does it. And in the countries, I'm going to jump back. <laughs> so is it true that the countries fulfilled what God needed them to do, but they took more liberties? With, with the Hebrew people than they should have? Well, Were they rougher on them? I, I wouldn't say more or less I wasn't there, but you do find the question is raised earlier in the Bible with Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it says in the literature that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart toward the Hebrews, and then he was punished later for the hardness of heart. It's the same kind of thing. Why does God do it on the one hand, then punish if he was involved in it? Mm -hmm. But the argument is, while it is true he hardened his heart, it was hardened in the shape that was already there, and Pharaoh was responsible for it. Mm -hmm. uh, that is to say, uh, whatever that man was, he was. And, and, uh, uh, and then he was uh, punished as a result of it, but God still used it for his own good purposes, oddly enough. It's crazy, isn't it? it I mean, really his is. ways really are higher than our ways. They we are, don't understand. And, and, and we all run into difficult people in life, and it's hurtful. And I should say as well that we all have friends as well. You know, if you're getting beat up a little bit, you just think of those that are your, uh, that seem to be unkindly disposed toward you. Uh, I want to thank you for those that are kindly disposed toward us, and I say that because, you know, television really isn't cheap, and you may not really, really be rich. Neither are we, quite frankly. Uh, but uh, we get along because you care to share, and I want to thank you for that. And I want to remind you there's a blessing in that. If you're at a place where you do want to sow some seed into gospel ministry, if you find us worthy, please, uh, before this program gets away from you, please, if the Lord's inspiring you to do so, pick up a pen, make out a check, uh, make a phone call, give us a call. It costs a small fortune to get these programs on the air, never mind to produce them. And we wouldn't be here if you weren't there. Thanks for the teamwork and the friendship. I have to tie up we're talking about, it's, it's not an easy topic about God's judgment, but I, I keep going back to what he says many times, I believe, in Ezekiel, that I am for you, not against you. To always remember, he has our best plans laid out for us. Yes, and he wants to show himself strong, you know, around 90 or so times. Uh, through what God does in the world, that, that the world might know me. Right. Uh, there's a sense in which he shows his power through his uh, getting his purposes done in the world, difficulties notwithstanding. Next week's program, I would call it Wild and Crazy, all about the dry bones. Yeah, next week's program's uh, probably the best in the series. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. It's just a fantastic story. It's miracle all over it. Yay. Time to we, go. We have to wait till we get to it. It's time to go, like the man said. But as you go, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter.
Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.